Hello, Happy New Year and welcome to Into the Black Archive. There are fireworks outside my house and there is Doctor Who on the BBC again. Um, it's the New Year's Day special because Doctor Who is now no longer popular enough for Christmas Day. And joining me to sift through a time loop of ludicrity is Owen. What was that? Oh, what was that? It's a new year, James. We haven't stopped drinking. Oh. Oh, 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 thanks. So, yeah, you enjoying yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm fine. Mm. (laughs) Mmm. Old Lang's on, one and all. So, yeah, uh, we've just finished watching it. So please excuse fireworks in the background. It's New Year's Day, so we're just going to move past that. So, yeah, we're just going to accept it's happening. And where possible, I'll edit it out. Um, so I'm going to turn down my microphone because I am peaking massively. So we have just finished watching Eve of the Daleks. I still love that name. I Yeah, it, I, I like the name better than the actual episode, but we can move past that. We'll move past that. It's in the tradition of the old classic of the Daleks I mean, episodes, a lot of which we've been covering uh, on the podcast recently. Yeah, it's also just very close to Evil of the Daleks, so I'd like it anyway. It's yes, a nice callback in a sense. Out. It's a nice callback in a sense. I don't know if you could call that a callback. Would you call that a callback? I'd, I'd call that a callback to an extent. Although I think the issue with that is if you call that a callback, you therefore have to mark the episode down for not bringing back Maxtable, who is still alive. How, how do we know which one of the characters aren't Maxtable? Well, it wasn't clarified for me. So? Do you want everything written up on your, and served to you on a plate in, in your drama scripts <laughs> and your scripts? <laughs> No, no, I, my theory is that Maxtable is uh, the guy uh, who says good display. He was actually the guy from the first general episode. Mm. Maxtable's offspring, potentially. Like a direct line of blood links them. Or maybe Time Lord. Regenerated. Time Lord. Ma- yeah, Maxtable's the third Time Lord. I, I, yeah, good with that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, this is a time loop episode. Uh, the beauty of time loop narratives is that they're limited, but you're able to have a lot of fun with them based on the changes to the consistency. So you get used to the structure, and then usually the the play from them comes from when the structure is changed. And also, it's very safe COVID-wise, which I imagine is why they ended up making it, because yes. you need one set... Here you've got five main characters. Boom, off the race as you've gone. Yeah, the cool sheet is 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 incredibly sparse. Uh, there are only five characters, or maybe six if you count this one scene cameo by Carl from Women Who Fell to Earth. It's a very confined story, which is good. It, it creates a world, in a sense, this kind of dilapidated storage building. You have side characters we get introduced to that are fairly memorable, and we have Daleks, which is never a bad thing. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, shall we get, shall we get into it with a brief synopsis? Because what we do for the classics? And so, funny we mentioned synopsis, which is just a complete off-topic thing. So, people who don't mm. know, I'm dyslexic. So, I was reading because I was talking to someone about symptoms of dyslexia and sort of like the signs of it and what how it affects you and all that stuff. And I was reading um, some of the signs of dyslexia. 
do you know what one of the signs are which is what you make me do every episode we're close to every episode reading synopses no (laughs) summing up a large story into a short chunk (laughs) (laughs) ah that makes me feel good (laughs) no worries so anyway (laughs) it's the only bit of synthy I'm getting um after I've destroyed two of your perfectly good intros. <laughs> I get you one or and then you're off. So, we start off in, as you say, elf storage or self-storage because an S fell off. We start off there, we've got our two characters. We've got Sarah, we've got Jeff. and they. Jeff is the only customer there. He stores all his weird... No, that's Nick. That's Nick, Owen. Nick, sorry... Nick. Yeah, Jeff is the other guy. Sorry. Um, we've got Nick. Um, he stores all his stuff there. Weird stuff. Um, but we don't need to go there. Um, <laughs> then the doctor comes in. They're going off to a beach. Woohoo! Um, on a different planet, which was destroyed, which definitely was not destroyed by the flux. The planet was not destroyed by the flux. So um, they come, they accidentally misland in Manchester in the self storage unit. Um, they meet Daleks. They all get killed. Then we loop. And then they all get killed. Then we loop. Then they all get killed. And then we loop. Then they get killed. Then we loop. Then they get killed. Then we loop. Then they get killed. Then we loop. And then we explode for Daleks and we're off. Yep, that's as good a summation as I could have come up with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> story starts, the story goes round, the story goes round. It's, um, it's like watching people just go on a carousel over and over again except this carousel maybe has maybe has the horses do backflips which yeah. makes it slightly more exciting shall we shall we just start off then with the basics yeah okay did you like this episode uh if i had if i had to give you a yes or a no answer i'd go no but that but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a terrible episode or anything i think there's a lot of pros that are worth talking about but i think there's a lot of not pros that are worth talking about as well i think it was perfectly good as a standalone let's have fireworks go off for daleks um special sit around sit around with the family and watch some dalek shooty shooties which is essentially all you really want for a christmas or new year special i mean i'm looking back at the Rusty Davis one, which we watched for last week. Yeah, Sicker Axe. Yeah. I'm trying to work out which one I prefer to watch because they're both specials. They're both inherently kind of standalone They both need to just please everyone. I'm thinking I might go to Evil for Dar- Daleks more. What, the Christmas Invasion? Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, That's a take. Well, the Christmas Invasion... As we discussed multiple times, had loads of different plot f- flaws. Mm. It's the villains aren't exactly the most interesting. That's true. What the main villains are, we've also got the secondary villains, which just kind of turn up, go, "Oh, look, it's Christmas," and then mm. disappear again. Yeah, Santa's. And then we've got the threat of them all jumping off the, off the edge, and then that goes away very quickly. At least yeah. here we've got the interesting villains of the Daleks. We've got quite a lot of fun humour with Ashley Bing and Dan. If funny enough, if you've got two comedians on your main cast, it's mm. very comedic there, and I and I quite like that. So yeah, 
I I I enjoyed it as good old popcorn filler. That is the right yeah. phrase, isn't it? Which I'm after. No, yeah, popcorn 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 filler is necessarily not the phrase, but it is right still. Yeah. Like it feels right. The but I think the issue with that is that popcorn filler inherently is filler. And but what you've got is an episode that fills. Well, that's what this is. This is a filler episode. Nothing's going to happen here, which is going to connect any dots. This is just a standalone special. I mean, the end of time part two was broadcast on New Year's Day. So based on that logic, you can do a, a special at this time of the year that does a lot of stuff and is very good. Yeah, but it doesn't have to. No, not this, necessarily. This, this is... For first in a series of specials, we're not going to be expecting here a series long arc. Yeah, and I think uh, there's a couple of things maybe are being set up later on, but we can go into that. Uh, anyway, what I wanted to talk about first with you, Owen, was yes. because this is a standalone episode, sure, but it does mention flux things yes. on and off, so it's not lying about the fact that that we are still in the echoes of of that storyline. Can can I put this out there? The bits where they do refer to the flux are potentially the most problematic parts of the entire story. Yes. Because they instantly contradict themselves. So we're going off this, as I'm referring to that in the synopsis, we we meet our TARDIS crew as they're going off to this amazing like seaside planets where they'll have fun on the, on the beach where they wait for the TARDIS to reset. So that wasn't destroyed in the flux, but we know the flux was destroyed. So, okay, that's fine. We've just reset it. We just haven't really talked about it. Mm. But then not even like 15, 15, 20 minutes later, we've got the Daleks going on about how the Daleks have come to kill the Doctor because she led them all towards the flux, which which is fine. But then mm. that then reverses what you said there. And it's also just an unneeded callback because... The Daleks are always out to kill the Doctor. You could have said, we detected you were trapped in a time loop, so we came. Yeah, that's which, totally fine. Which would be completely fine, and we can just go, okay, cool, Flux was just, was just rectified. We don't need to go there. Mm. So, so it is like the worst bits are bits which don't need to be there, which are the callbacks to the Flux. Yeah, but they're not even good callbacks because they're almost wrong callbacks. Yeah, they massively contradict themselves. Mm. I think one of the, the main things to talk about is the basis for why the time loop is happening is that is that this tar- the TARDIS is going through this self-reset pol- protocol. Yeah. Which we've not seen before. Um, but as, what is the reason given for that being a thing? Um, so you know how during the flux of the TARDIS essentially became corrupted with random doors everywhere. It mm. started leaking, essentially. The reset was there to turn it on and off again and to fix it all. All oh, right, that just makes sense. I was thinking for a second that it was actually flux related, like they were trying to fix flux things. Well, you could. Argue I, mean, I suppose they are in one way. They're for things for flux kind of left behind, which hmm. it's a fair enough kind of way to fix it. Is you could argue it's a bit cheap, but equally, that's how I'm fairly sure most of our listeners fix their computer issues first and foremost is to turn <laughs> exactly, it on and off yeah, again, including me, including so, me when we have tech issues. So. Yes, it does feel a bit cheap, but I can also fully get behind it. Yeah, I've no issue with that. I just think that, that like you were saying, the reason that the callbacks are problematic is because it feels like Chris Dibble is a tourist inside his own show. 
where he doesn't actually know what the state of play is anymore because we sure as hell don't after this episode that so we've been we've been told all the universe with the exception of earth was destroyed and that it's happened and they haven't retconned it because the dalek war fleet are still dead but there are other planets and it's fine yeah it, it's weird because it feels like which they could have had one or the other and it would have been fine either way like if they've gone with a beach when you just go oh, okay cool we've just reset we've just reset we haven't really mentioned it they should have probably mentioned it but hey ho we're, we're but, here uh, yeah, okay it's not terrible um or if they just had the dalek goes you destroyed the dalek fleet and then we go okay cool flux did happen these are just for remains of the Dal- dalek fleets just kind of going out for revenge which daleks tend mm. to do so that would have also worked but they also tried to do them both together yeah, and I think what that leads to is this issue where Chibnall's almost cherry-picking what consequences he wants from, from his own decisions narratively, which is, I think, where people start to get confused with what are the rules of the game and you know what's going on and how do we know what's going on if we don't know the rules, which I think is a problem that manifests itself in other ways in this episode too. Yeah. But shall we talk about some positives before before we get married? Because there are plenty of good things shall, to chat about. Shall we talk about characters? Yeah, let's go for it. Shall we start off with the Doctor? Of course. Uh, the Doctor is still running around trying to do everything on her own somehow. She, You can see which... I actually really like the portrayal of the Doctor in this. Like mm. You can see which guilt is really starting to eat at her, but she just doesn't know what to do with it, so she's just trying to dig her way through even though it's not working at every opportunity mm. i really like this angle of a doctor like yes she's putting on a brave face just doing all her oh let's go over here let's go over there let's go over here to kind of make yaz and dan think everything's all right but then when you have those moments alone with her or when she's snapping at yaz you can tell she's guilt and concern and anxieties are creeping up on her which I really yeah. liked. It adds so many different elements to the character, which is so much different to what we saw in her first and second season. Yes, there's more There's more layers than there definitely have been in previous series. And I think it's probably the most layered I've seen Jodie in the whole. She's got, she's got more opportunities to explore her now. Uh, there's some good writing for her. And even when the Doctor makes what I would call not very Doctory decisions, like she has that whole moment where she's saying, you know, we can't go and deal with Nick. Basically, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, you can tell that that's only come about as a result of, you know, she's under a lot of pressure and she just had a moment of, well, actually, do I have to care? Which, yeah. is, which is a weakness that everyone can have when they're under that kind of pressure. Yeah, particularly when they're kind of... I think that's kind of also how... Why this episode works as an immediate follow on from the flux because we see which is only just fixing the door so we can assume them relatively quickly afterwards yeah it's almost directly following on so she's still dealing with the effects of that and i think you can really see that mm. and and there's also some indication very little but there's some indication that yaz and dan are dealing with their experience of the flux as well because their experience of the flux was altogether longer so with yaz and dan um we should probably start with Yaz because there's more to talk about with Yaz yes. because of a quite obvious thing that happens uh, in this story. So this is the get it out in the open story for these. Uh, for, how, how do you think... For, for their relationship. For 
Yeah, for the Doctor and Yaz's um, bond. Yeah. The love interest story, which, to, to be fair, I think this is the best way they've kind of displayed it, because previously it's always kind of just been hinted at. And mm. we're never quite sure whether they're just doing it or just for the shippers, you know? Get, get them yeah. to ship, get them to ship, get, get them to the grid. Yes. And I'm happy that they're actually following through with it narratively. You know? yeah. They're not and just doing it to get, they're going for it seriously. And that's yeah, totally cool with me. They're actually properly going for it, it rather than just going, oh, look, look, they might do it. They're actually going ahead and doing it, which is a lot better than what they were doing before. And yeah, yeah I, it, I thought it was quite good. I thought the scenes where, and Dan was really good for these scenes, actually. Dan was wingman. Wingman Dan. Wingman Dan. Wingman Dan. Um, what I liked <laughs> about those scenes were you saw the differences uh, between the characters and how they responded to that, essentially being confronted with something that they know is probably true. You, you see Yaz sort of allow herself to be vulnerable and allow herself to slip the guard a bit. And it's some of the best scenes I've seen of Yaz as a character because I've always been of the opinion that she's never been too strong of a character. This is one of the few episodes where I see a bit of life in her. And yeah. this story will give her that moving forward. And it was nice also to see someone else pulling out information because normally it's Yaz's job to question and bring out information. It was nice to see for it switch places with Dan going to her like, look, it's... It's quite obvious here what's going on. Mm. You need to be honest with yourself. Yeah. And um, and thank goodness they actually got Dan to do that, because other than that, I was kind of questioning his presence. Yeah, his presence, to an extent with Ashling Bing as well, because they are both comedians, they were both there just to supply the laughs, which were quite funny. But they didn't really do much else. You know, the, the line about them arriving in Manchester is lovely. Yeah. That's great. There's that. There's that great confrontation where he tries to hold the Dalek up, and he's like, "You all right, Mace?" Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's lovely. It, it, it's a. It's it's the sort of thing. It's the thing which he did with the Santarans as well, isn't he? But, yeah, oh, yeah. Where's the Pier Red? Tell me now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same trick, but it, it was funny then, and it's funny now. Um, but yeah, be- because he was able to do that as a character, that gave him a reason to be there. Yeah. So on the whole, this is something I don't say a lot about Chidnall episodes, and you know that. The character writing's not bad. No, particularly... It's pretty with the, good. Particularly with the companions and the Doctor. As I was saying, the doc, this is potentially, in my view at least, one of the best characterizations we've had of the 13th Doctor. It's nice to finally see them developing sort of like this love interest story between the Doctor and Yaz. And if anyone's going to go out there, just getting this up there now. Oh, the Doctor shouldn't have a romantic interest. Um, I'm sorry, but I have to refer you to Doctor and Rose. Amy, Doctor and Martha. Doctor and, well, to be fair, that was more Martha Doctor. It was more Martha, but it was still like a thing. Yeah. Um, Amy and the Doctor. Yes. I don't know enough about the relationship between any of the other ones, but yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's entirely fine for the Doctor to have a love interest. Yeah. You can do that in this show. You can now. You weren't able to in the classic who as much. We did have that incident with the first Doctor and for Coco, Hot Coco. 
which oh yes and the hot cocoa which, which remains my favorite part of that of the aztecs mm, yes where he just suddenly finds himself almost getting marriage proposed yeah he, he gets given a love potion which just turns out to be cocoa i i i would i would think cocoa is a love potion yeah you ever, you ever had hot cocoa on a winter's night owen oh i would love to have some hot cocoa now whoever's made you that yeah you're with them Goodness yeah, if, me. You, if you want to go hear what we thought about the um i think that was was that season one it was actually it was a season one episode five the first epi- season of doctor who's episode the aztecs you can go back to our back catalogue to see what we thought about that then but yeah no it it it's not a new thing and if you didn't care when it was rose and the doctor then you fuck shouldn't off. care now exactly you shouldn't care um, now but yeah it it's very good and considering we've only got two other characters here, we might as well look into the side characters. We should. There is one thing I want to mention quickly on Yaz before we move on and the, and the Dr. Yaz storyline. The only issue I have with it is that I don't... On the Yaz side, I see it really clearly in the writing and the performance. Yes. I don't see it in the same way from the Doctor side. And as a result... While I think they're setting it up well in a writing sense, it's hard to believe it. I That's something which I nearly said when we were talking about it just now. We don't know how... It's obvious on the outside. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest here. But we don't really know how much the Doctor is going to respond to that, which will be an interesting... Which could be interesting fallout. Yeah, at the moment it feels more like a Martha relationship to me than yeah. a Rose one where it was obvious there was obviously a level of reciprocation. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean it's narratively a bad thing. It's just it will depend as to what happens with the later specials as to whether this works or not. It's just something I felt if you're going to go the whole way at the moment I don't see those characters being that way because there wasn't a lot of setting up for it, just minor hinting and now we're kind of just hitting it because we haven't got many episodes left. I think that's going to be the irritating thing if only they mentioned this like during flux or before flux because then we could have that entire relationship develop but they're kind of just tacking it on at the end which which does bring me back on something which i mentioned previously actually this is a problem with doing all these pre-records i don't know if, is, if this episode's out when we, we talked about this uh, which 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 story are you referring to <laughs> i can I, try and I, tell I, you no it's not for story it was um I was because there was, that, there was a news story out about Yaz Mandip Gill saying which she if if Rusty Davis would let her just stick around essentially. Yes, I remember that um, story. Um, and I was saying back then, which I would quite like this because I'd like to see the fallout of this relationship of Yaz obviously being attracted and liking the Doctor. Mm, and I agree with you on that front. It, with this development of them actually being shoving that out in the open. I really want, even if it is just for two episodes, I really want to see that deve- looked into and developed. I don't think it will, but I think it would be a really interesting way to go down. Yeah. I mean, the only reason we say that is because every show run change we've had before has led to a real clean slate on Doctor Who. Sort of everything changes. At least in New Who. Not so much in Old Who, but especially in New Who. Yeah, that's that's more what I mean. We're talking about New Who right now, and they yeah. almost feel like separate shows a lot of the time. However, because it's a, it is the, a showrunner coming back, 
with Russell. It, with that's kind of uncharted territory, and I'm looking forward to seeing how much of what's come before will be retained because I think he'll retain some things, but also then what parts will he excise and change and move on to return to what his vision of the show will be. You see, what I think he might do is um, he'll introduce a new companion with a doctor and in the new companion's house, there'll be a crack on the wall. <laughs> will there also, will, will Olivia Coleman uh, be involved in the episode? Because I'd be happy with that. I don't, no, my crystal ball only goes so far. Will there be a man called Jeff that needs to probably clear his internet history? Well, there is in this episode, actually. So, um... <laughs> Shall we go back onto this episode? Yeah, let's go back into this episode let, and talk about let's look <laughs> new in, characters. Let's look into side characters. Let's start off with Sarah. She's essentially the main side character in this. Mm. Uh, and she's played by Ailing B, who uh, is very, very funny and is very good in everything she's in. Uh, yes. Big fan of hers. And no surprise, Alien Bee's very good in this. The only problem is that the character... Well, it isn't really a character. It's the it's almost the same thing with, with John Bishop as Dan, where they've called the comedian up and said, can you do the comedy? Because it's just very... I, I imagine that's what Alien Bee would be like in real life. I disagree. Do you? Because this... The Sarah of... Chara- of the character of Sarah is shown to be extraordinarily selfish and up her own ass. Yeah, actually. actually. Because, because first thing we see is those two dying. And and, actually, and Nick goes, oh, we need to, I need to go save Sarah. Sarah's first reaction is, oh, Nick. Oh, no, let's go get some weapons. Yeah, she's out for herself. Nick, Nick's dead. And then, the doctor and crew, uh, doctor and everyone else decide. Let's go to the fifth floor. We'll we'll find some weapons in Jeff's supplies, and she just f-ks off and does her own thing, intentionally. Mm. So, I don't think she is here. I think this is this is an interesting and very selfish character. At the end, we've got Nick and her hooking up. I don't quite know what's going on with Nick because I wouldn't hook up with this character because she's left you to die. Yes, it seemed very tacked on that, 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 um, that Sarah relationship Nick combo. Yeah, it yeah. just kind of seemed like they wanted the the good, happy feeling ending, and also to do a parallel with the Doctor Yaz stuff, which makes sense. Yeah, but I feel like they made the Sarah character too dickish to go down that route. Yeah, it was a very quick pivot. Although I do agree to some extent with the point of when you're in a life death situation, you do change a lot. Yeah. But but even so, I agree that that trying to say that they would go travel the world like a week later is very, very much stretching logic to its uh, to its limit. Yeah. So so why did you think which Ashling was lacking in character? Uh, I just felt that it was similar to the things she had done before, and it was reliant on her persona. Yeah, more than it being a good character. Not to, not to say that the selfish things play out in the episode, but I think they sort of knew what they had as a casting weapon and were like, well, we're just going to play off that. And I think a lot of the time in the episode, it's carried by her yeah, because of her persona rather than the character. But so it sort of relies on that. 
I don't think that matters because the character works in what she's given. I think she reacts well to what's put in front of well, we can disagree with what well is. <laughs> yes, well is she, an interesting word. Yeah, she she reacts the way you think her character would react. Like, yes, the, the selfishness initially comes off as a bit of a shock, but as soon as we start seeing that happen, it's carried on, and it's seen in a similar sort of way which you think that initial character would go. Mm, yeah, I mean, I was more interested in Nick as a character. That's interesting, because I... Aside from his very suspicious supplies and what he's storing, he he just seems like this standard, quiet, oh, I'm in love with you, I'm going to come see you every year. Yeah, I think there was this old joke, wasn't there, about he's using the storage unit for his ex-girlfriend, and it's and how weird that is. And let me tell you, that's weird. Like. I would understand if he just shoved everything in there and like there's like this tower and f- this pile in the corner. But he meticulously labels them all going like, oh, 2012 to 2013. It's almost, psych- it's almost psychopathic. <laughs> yeah, like I was fully... Ex- I knew it would be too dark for Doctor Who. But at that point, they they, they did sort of like the sweeping shot of, of his locker, of his storage mm. space. I was fully expecting them to just go down the serial killer route. Yeah, you would have thought so. I mean, they do bring it up and they do the joke of, oh, what, have you... Get-? No, no, they're alive. And so they do it in a light-hearted way. They address the elephant in the room without going over the family-friendly edge uh, and having to confront the darkness therein. But I, I was interested in Nick, I think because the performance gave me an idea that there was kind of a life outside of that storage unit a bit. Yeah. That he was in it, the, you know, how did he get here? Why is he the way he is? And these aren't questions that really get answered. So whether that's good, you know, is not necessarily true. But it gave me an interest into how he would got to that situation. And I wanted to know more about him, which is a good thing. Do you know what his storage supply reminded me of? Uh, what did it do? What did it remind you of? You, you remember for Wallace and Dr- Gromit film, the Baker one? Where oh, they've got the, the wrong ser- trousers. Yeah, when they've got the um, serial killer baker-like girl who just has a, a room in her house which just got like the, the baker's hat and, and aprons just in mm. kind of just there as sort of like trophies. Yes, it is a bit like that. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Um, but yeah, he just, he just to me seemed like your bog standard awkward around woman quiet guy. And, and, and yeah, it brings back to the relationship of being tacked on. Yeah, I, although I found more interest, I, I interestingly found more interest in Ashling B's Sarah. Hmm. Is it Ashley or is it Ailing? Ashling. Is it Ashley? I'm saying Ailing the whole time. I'm fairly sure it's Ashling. Ah, goodness me, whatever. I'll just try and say B. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, it. I think what was nice in this story is that because it was inherently so restricted with the amount of people they had on set, it Mm. meant they had time to properly write these side characters to be more interesting rather than the traditional Chimpnall way of having characters. Yeah, there's a lot lot more interest uh, that I get from it. Uh, And the restricted quality episode allows... For us to... I'm trying to think where I'm going with this. I mean, outside of character, because I think we've talked about it for a fair while now, yeah. the, um, the restrictive 
world the episode creates allows you to get more into the mechanics of how it works. Because the whole shtick with this episode is that it's a closing time loop, not a permanent time loop. It yeah. closes by one minute each time because it can, up to midnight because it's a New Year special. Yes. And then, woo, fireworks. And then, woo, there have to be fireworks at the end of the time. So what I like is that the mechanics are actually quite clever. Yeah, they. it's... It's oddly, it's very much a Hunger Game kind of scenario where the the barriers creep in to force you to have more conflict rather than just going, okay, there's barriers, you do. Yeah, you. and it and it creates a constant tension because you know it's the timing's going to get less and less and less and less. Yeah, which makes things harder and harder every time. So it's very good mechanically. However, the rules by which the mechanics operate occasionally don't get fully followed. And you, we were talking about this before we started recording. It's not... Like, the way it breaks isn't even, from what I can tell, that needed in the story. Hmm. That's the weird thing. It's like they set rules to break them. Yeah. Do you want to explain what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, so there is a... In sort of like the fourth loop on... Sarah realises that Nick likes her, but then also realises that in this particular loop, if he doesn't get saved, then he dies permanently, because that's when he dies initially. So Nick has to get saved now. If he dies in this loop, then it's over for him. The problem with that is, is that during that first loop, we see Sarah's character, Sarah die a little bit before the end of the loop. So we know that before midnight, Sarah dies. Can yes, but let let me put this to you. We're hearing this from Sarah. She doesn't know anything. She could be yeah, assuming, but the, but the doctor does agree. The doctor says, "Yeah." The doctor also doesn't know how what is causing this at this point, or why why it's going on. So it's not. Yeah, a, but that's like a. But it's not. I a thought leap. that was just general rumble time. It's it's not a leap to go to go to that. And then, as it goes, there's another issue with, like, because aren't there... Because they basically have spawn points in each time loop, don't they? No, I think... I don't think they are. I think they're more just picking where they go. They're picking where they go? Are you on about Daleks or the humans? The humans, not the Daleks. Oh, the Daleks okay. can pick where they go yeah, because yeah. they're in control of the thing. I'm happy with that. Yeah. It's more the human spawn points I'm interested in. Yes. What, what's your problem with these? Because at the start, it's clearly based, and this is why I'm, I'm going with the Nick thing as being true, because they spawn sort of as where they were in the previous loop at that time. Yeah. So it's like they're just coming in at a different time point in what they've already done. But obviously, after Nick's effectively run out of steam to do that and everything else. And as the story goes on, they just start to spawn in random locations. Do they? They always seem to spawn yeah. where they should do, in my eyes. That's not amazing. Ash- because, Ashling um, always spawned in the lobby. Yeah, okay, Ashling Nick, does, actually. Nick That's always true. spawns in the corridor around his container. Always see him hmm. running from that area. But then after Nick's died, does that mean... That, Actually, no, I guess Nick could spawn later on. It's kind of... It creates a lot I, of confusion. I think part of that is 
there's a lot of confusion with the characters. They don't know how the rules work themselves. So when they're trying to explain it to themselves, they themselves are honestly just making mistakes. So I, I don't think it's as breaking as it is because particularly when Ash thing's explaining it, Sarah's explaining it, her character doesn't know what's going on. She's just making it up as she goes along. And could it even be the case there which the doctors realise we're wasting time arguing with her? Mm, maybe. And the final one is, is concerned with the method of escape. That's the final rule concern I've got. Because there's that big time shield on the front door. Yeah, I'm a bit confused about why the time shield didn't work on the other door. Yes, this is, <laughs> this is exactly what I'm saying. So, so the time loop capturing system only works for the front door of a place. Like, I'd even accept it if they said, oh, it will open up in the last few seconds. Yeah, that would have been fine. But it's just the back door, for no reason or another, is just uncontained by time. You can do whatever you like. Yeah, uh, that is for one bit which doesn't make 100% sense. Because if they said, like, we'll need to get out as soon as the clock hits hits 12 and they do that mm. like that would at least make some sense but they at least in my eyes at least show that potentially happening before then so yeah no that that is a bit of a questionable thing but i don't i don't think the other ones are as big as you think they are if that makes sense yeah i think they're concerned when you once you're trying to work out the story mechanically definitely the last one's a big hole yeah that can get frustrating. But those aren't my only concerns. So, it's, it's you know, I'm not going to make an episode bad because of a couple of nitpicks. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, one thing I wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. was the Daleks yes. in this episode. Um, it's lovely we've got Daleks. Um, it seems that they've become the festive treat now. We wait all year and we get a Dalek episode to, to sink our teeth into. I don't mind that. Which I don't mind, because the Daleks, they're the, they're the most iconic Doctor Who villains for a reason. Yeah. But my opinion is, and I know this is a hot take, and I know this is one of those, it'll almost sound like I'm trying to be controversial, but I do believe this genuinely. Is I, I think it's up there with the worst Dalek episodes I've ever seen. Like, for Daleks, not for anything else. No. But it is Moffat's just... ones the were mo- awful. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of, like, Asylum of the Daleks was sh- Simon for Daleks was shit. Um, I love the idea around the World War Two one, but my God, that was awful. Uh, for use of the Daleks in that specifically were not very good. Uh, what for the other Daleks ones we've had? Simon for Daleks was awful. For which is familiar. Oh yeah, that is. Shit. Um, and then we've got the Rusty Davis ones. Uh, rightfully held up as some of the best. I'm not even going to mention any of those ones. Yes, uh, you have Dalek, which is particularly brilliant. Um, the Chase. Mm. Is not... To be fair, Russell's out of the Russell series, there was a pretty poor Dalek episode. There was um, Daleks in Manhattan with half human, half Dalek. Oh, yeah, him. Um, That's a little off. The Chase in Classic Who. Yeah, Chase in Classic Who. I mean, even... I, I don't think you fought through your statement very well. <laughs> No, 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 because I do believe, I do genuinely believe that the depiction of the Daleks is up there with someone like Asylum of the Daleks, because it, the Dalek dialogue, God, it's just the same thing. It's, it's just, human says something, Dalek goes, Daleks don't do this. Just do, every single I think, line. I think that's because the focus of this episode wasn't necessarily for Daleks. 
the focus of this episode was the time loop. So we had to try to explain and work out the time loop. The introduction to the Daleks were there as a quick and easy villain, which they didn't need to explain existing because True. everyone knows what the Daleks are. Whereas if this was, say, let's say this was a feature length one, mm. this very easily could have been a brand new villain. I think the Daleks are here purely because New Year special. Familiarity. Familiarity. We don't need to describe the me- mechanics of a Dalek to, to the viewers anymore. At least we can we can rapidly do it, and then we can go on. So I think they're very much... I agree which they're not portrayed very well, but I also think that's kind of intentional. Maybe, but but even so, I do, you can't do an episode where you spend the first one and it's going, this is a Dalek, you absolutely can't escape it, it's the strongest killing thing in the universe, and then have multiple sequences where, where you're just running away from a Dalek in a straight line and they miss 25 times in a row over and over and over again. But that's going to have to be what it is in any story. Like we've have <laughs> it, know, we, we have it in, in Star Trek in Star Trek all the time. We have it in Star Wars all the time. We have it in modern, less sci-fi shows with in, in military dramas. We have it in police dramas where it be people who we're told are the best... <clears throat> shooters in for for sharpest shooters in the galaxy or for US mm. Army and as soon as they are up against the main characters they miss every single time. That's just the nature of storytelling. I mean, you're allowed to miss but like you can create creative solutions to that. You don't just have to have running off in a straight line. That's not even super Daleks at what that point. At that point you need to start looking as a writer as to well what methods could your character use to make that harder. For the Dalek, and then you have more of a justification, even but if he does miss. The issue is, you've only got an hour. Yeah, like literally, you can do it as quick as anything. Dalek's coming, run around the corner. Dalek's coming, oh, hide behind this. Yeah, right, they can shoot through it, but at least it gives you a few seconds. It's kinds of things like that where if you think of it quick, it doesn't have to take up any time. It's just a quick, fluid motion with no wording. There doesn't have to be like a great big complicated plot hole that says, oh, and because I've done this with the time thing for the last 10 minutes, I can now immune from Dalek blasts. And what it just means is that, and, and the Daleks aren't creative either. They just do the same thing with their big new revolving exterminator gun. And as a result, the Daleks don't give you fear because they're not creative anymore. They don't do anything creatively much, apart from maybe burning down that storage door early on. And there's no creative method of escape. So you get this really repetitive episode. I know it's a time loop, so I know that's rich to say, but it's still repetitive as all hell. I think the Daleks here were chosen as a familiar villain, as so they don't need to explain it, so they can just go straight into it. Which I think plays its role because if you think about it the Daleks in this episode could have been for some tyrants they yeah, could have been for Cybermen they could have been Hell for Weeping Angels they could have been, I'm trying to think of some other legendary villains here Sea Devils Sea Devils. <laughs> sea Devils next, uh, next. it could have been an evil K9 like I, <laughs> I love that I think which they worked with what they had which was an hour to try to let's be honest yes it's not very complex but it's a very complex introduction and by the very nature of it being a time loop you don't want to spend the entirety of your first time loop explaining the mechanics of a time loop absolutely not you do that as you go so I think they did what they did well with what they had I just think the result of it is it ends up the Daleks end up feeling really tacked on 
and you just don't get the sense of like we've seen so many episodes that are even not about Daleks where where it's conveyed that they're going to mess you up. With this, by the end, it was just you didn't care because you knew the only way it was going to happen is if they gave themselves up. And yeah, it's just the repetitive dialogue does it for me, where it's like, yes, we know what a Dalek is. At this point, we've just we've reduced them so much to the point where now they're almost parodies of themselves. Particularly in this episode, because it relies on the familiarity, and it doesn't ever extend beyond that. So it feels just a bit flat. Mm. To me, they weren't represented amazingly, but equally, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the episode. Yeah, okay. Which, at the end of the day, it's just a quick Christmas... New Year's special, they don't really want to spend hours explaining mechanics, which will, expl- mm. which will bore for standard audience. True. It does it in, a, in the popcorn filler way, like we were saying before. Mm. You know, it's there to be enjoyed without being too thought about. And if you don't think about this episode in a nitpicky way, because I'm kind of conditioned to do that, um, then it, it's good fun on the surface. It's enjoyable. You get a kick. The side characters are fairly good to watch. And also you get the nice stuff with the Doctor and Yaz, his relationship having a bit of build. So there's momentum. It's not a bad episode. No. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I I appreciate that it does what it's trying to do fairly well. Yeah, it, it does what it's setting out to do, which is more than can be said about some of the other Chipno episodes. But Yeah, that's definitely true. Talking, it's better than um, The Vanquishers. Yes. Talking about the Daleks, they've had a bit of a redesign. What did you think about yeah. their, new, their, new, their new toys? Yes, so the, the great big revolving exterminator gun. Yes. I... Like, yeah, it's cool. But it's no more threatening. <laughs> I don't know what the point of it was other than to go, oh, look, new Dalek new Dalek Yeah, toy. exactly. Like, at the start of it, I thought, oh, that's a really juiced up Dalek. It's going to be, you know... I thought if they went one direction with it, then they could make the Dalek go a little bit more be afraid of this because it's a serious machine again which is how I like my Dalek but, stories to be doesn't really do that I'm not sure what they could have done with it because the Dalek already relatively speaking shoots fast mm. so I'm not entirely sure what a machine gun Dalek can do <laughs> differently if mm. that makes any sense machine gun Dalek mm. that's a great term is that with like machine gun Kelly You'd have that over Machine Gun Kelly. I think it's a less controversial change than for World War Two episode <laughs> one. Victory off with Daleks. I remember the episode yeah, name. Yeah, it's it's better than the. Um, well, it's less radical. <laughs> I think that's the important thing to say. It's also nice they're not CGI'd. Yeah. Remember the CG Daleks in um, wait, what uh, Once Upon Time from Flux? Yes. Where they're just so obviously being composited into the scene in post. After. I'm sure the Dalek experts will let the community know later on, but I'm fairly sure they they look brand new, those models. Yeah, they look sleek. They look a little bronzer or a little more mm. orangey than usual. They look, yeah. However, one other change to these Daleks, which we need to talk about because it's a very pressing matter to us here in, in the Black Archive. I tweeted about it the other day. Yeah. They don't have any suckers. How will this affect Dalek Book Club? Now, that's a big issue, you know. Yeah, 
I think but, but, I think it could. But they've got claws now, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, it could be revolutionary in the world of Dalek Book but, Club because you don't yeah. need as many Daleks. You only need one to hold the book and one to turn the page. Well, effectively, it, you, so you've got the machine gun. So you have to think a Dalek in reading position will have. You, you can use the machine gun attachment as your holder, or as the page it on, turner. Just balance it, or as the page turner. Yeah, I think at max you're only looking at two Daleks per book now. Maybe one at a push. Maybe one at a push, exactly. Because I think one, like a particularly dexterous Dalek, would be able to read a book on their own with these attachments. Yeah. I mean, the claw is, that changes page turning forever. I mean, that's effectively opposable thumbs on a Dalek. That's almost more terrifying than the fact that it flies. And for machine gun. Imagine a triple attachment Dalek with um, the plunger as well. This is something which I'm slightly annoyed they didn't go with. I wish they the triple did attachment. No. They I would have loved to see Dan's face to thinking when he went to go to outsmart for Dalek or distract for Dalek is for him to attempt to defeat them with some stairs. I would have wanted I wanted to see his reaction. Yeah, that would have been great actually. That's a missed opportunity. That's not a bad part of the story, but I just think which that would have been cuz Dan is so expressive and I just wanted to see that. Mm. They could have done it as well, because the whole thing is like they want to get onto the fifth floor at one point. So you need either stairs or a lift. I mean, they choose the lift in this option, yeah. which makes sense. But it means you could have had a stairwell somewhere. Yeah. They even had like the ledge thing in the, um, in the lobby. That like the oh, five, ten yeah, that's up. a missed opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what if one of them just goes and goes, well, I'm just going to run around here because you can't get down those. And then obviously, well, it'll do it at that point, and it's like a nice callback because I think the the scene, the initial scene where the Dalek flies up the stairs from the first Dalek episode in RTD is has a level of iconography about it now. Yeah, where it's a good callback to uh, uh, something that fans that have been long time with the show will know. Remembrance of the Daleks that scene. Hmm. Is there anything else major about this episode we want to discuss? Um, going forwards, maybe maybe the only thing we could talk about as to what comes after this and where we think we're headed. Yeah, we've got the legend of the Sea Devils. Yes, coming up. That Ooh. that was a kind of out of nowhere one. Sort of. Mm. They've. I mean, I've seen. So we had a look at the trailer at the end of the episode. Um, there's been some screenshots put on Twitter already. Uh, it seems they've gone for a. Um, you know, like a Chinese setting or something on those lines, and the Sea Devils will come around. It's a period piece, I think, from the costuming. Yeah, it's a period piece around... Uh, which I'm happy with. I think China's history, which is an interesting... It's a different route to the standard boring, oh, look, British history, oh, look, American history. Hey! Yeah, because there is so much unexplored Chinese history on here. I mean, you have dynasty upon dynasty upon dynasty. I mean, the first, one of the, was it the first? One of the first major historicals which Doctor Who did was Marco Polo. Mm. One of the best episodes, which I'm still annoyed, no longer exists. Yes, lost and therefore not covered by us, unless they recover it or mm. animate it. It's... It, I listened to the audio of it, and it's one of my favourite first Doctor stories. It's we'll really come. good, but they will never. If they have the audio, they can they can find it. They'll never reanimate it, oh. because the audio on it is broken. Like they've got bleed over from different episodes in some chunks, where the <laughs> tapes. Like you you have, you have it, and it just randomly starts playing the um, 
Doctor Who theme song just very lightly in the background, just hear people talking in the background. That's that's fine. I, I call that like a surrealist Doctor Who experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. have an episode where things just aren't in the right place all the time. But yeah, no, it... As much as I wish it will, it won't happen. But yeah, for Sea Devils mm. are coming back first, I think the first time in in New Who. They are yeah. a previous third Doctor villain, I believe. So it's to be interesting to see what they do in more than who of them. Yes, well, it's well, we've seen a few episodes where they've taken a, a classic monster and given them a bit of a reinvention. So it'll be a new introduction to them and and they might have a few new tricks up their sleeve as well that's usually what they end up having is a few new things a few old things uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how they work in this new episode and i think as well as that it'll be important that the next episode gives the specials a reason like a momentum of their own because it reminds me of when tenant had his specials by the time you had planet of the dead you already had a momentum heading towards the end game of those, where we were going. So I yeah. think Sea Devils needs to have something happen that pushes us there. Yeah. Because mm. am I right in saying that after... How many, how many more have we got left with Jody? Is it three now? Two. It's just two left. We've got Sea Devils and then Centenary, but Centenary is going to be feature length, I believe. Right, okay. Then in that case, you could sort of get away with it. But Sea Devils has to at least tease where that feature-length one is going. Yeah, I imagine it will set it up. It has to, yeah. And that is... Uh, I feel like they announced an air date for it. They haven't. They've just said spring. They haven't, yeah. They. Sea De- Which one? Sea Devil one? Uh, no, um, the Centenary, actually. Centenary. It's broadcasting on Centenary Day, I believe. Or at uh, least yeah, what... for weekend, either side. Yeah, okay, that's fine then. Uh, yeah, I, all we know for Sea Devils is that it's coming out springtime. So I, I would guess around Easter for that. Which is very fun when you're trying to make, plan a podcast and schedule everything and make fancy graphics. BBC, <laughs> Jim, no. Well, to be fair, we didn't get the Flux open dates until about a month before it came out. Which was still annoying. I still don't like them for that. Uh, yes, and I imagine it will be just as just as little time between the opening and the actual day of announcement we'll this time. We'll probably be told on Friday, oh, look, Doctor Who, Saturday, Sunday. Where, <laughs> it's <where>? on. <laughs> on Sunday. Doctor Who's on now, by the way. You should probably go take your TV. <laughs> but yeah. So, overall, James, we are coming up to the hour mark now once you remove all of our cuts and f***-ups. So, mm. out of ten, what do you I give think- this episode? I think as we've talked, I've become a little more forgiving to it um, because I think it does well with its concept. It's good popcorn filler, fairly entertaining. I wasn't bored. No. That's that's the important I, thing. I think if they want, went one or two more loops, I think I would have gotten bored. But they rode, yeah. they rode that wave well enough for me not to. I think the right phrase is doesn't outstay its welcome. Yes, that's the right phrase. Uh, so... I liked the side characters. I have issues with the Dalek stuff, but a Dalek's a Dalek, so you're never you're never too far away from at least having some fun. Um, yeah, where it where it lacks in a lot of things, I think it does gain in others. So I'm just going to give this one a down the middle of the road five. I thought it was all right uh, and definitely better than the Vanquishes, although there are still big flux concerns I have. Yeah, it's weird. I think for me at least, the biggest downfalls in this episode are the layovers from Flux. 
which mm. is the weirdest thing because as I say, I think the characterization of our main characters, excluding Dan, Dan is present, which I think is the best I can say about him as yeah, a character. He's likable, but doesn't do much. Yeah. He, he's only there as wingman Dan, which is now my nickname for him. Um, mm. Of, Not as good as Evil Dan. No. Um, best characterization of Yaz and the Doctor, however. Really good side characters. How they would need to be if you've only got two fucking side characters. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what? I don't normally like timely Beth, the Groundhog Day style things. I enjoyed this. It wasn't too bad. They changed it up too much because I find those sorts of storylines can be annoyingly repetitive. Yes, that's a nature, but you know. Um, so you know, I'm going to probably go and give it around seven. I think seven because I, I I enjoyed it. It served its purpose. It did what it was supposed to do. The characters were fun. I enjoyed being in their presence. They made me laugh, mm. and the story made sense. The ending. I think if they just tweaked it an inch, it would have been a really good ending. I feel like they just slightly screwed themselves with the force field scenario. Um, yeah. I feel like if they changed that just an inch and just said, oh, we'll get out in the last second, like that would have made more sense to me. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. I think the only reason I couldn't go more positively, well, there's a couple, is that I came away from it, especially with the ending, is, is feeling a little bit flat mm. and a little bit like, well, okay, you know, we got through the story and it resolved in the way in the sort of quick way that it needed to or was best for it to. Not to say I didn't like it. I just didn't get the feeling in me that I, that I would go and watch it again. And I probably won't watch it again. It's just kind of happened. It existed. I didn't mind it at the time. I think it was better made than some of our other specials where that special was purely there as some Christmas filler. It's definitely better than Revolution of the Daleks. I'll give it that. And it's better than also some of T. Davis's Christmas specials. Ah, uh, yeah, the next Doctor isn't that good. Um, I'm also thinking for one which got Kylie Minogue in. Oh, Voyage of the Damned. I quite like Voyage of the Damned, actually. I admit it's a bit kitschy, but I do kind of have a soft spot for it. Uh, as I was saying, I'd even go as far as saying it's potentially better than Christmas Invasion in terms of each structure all existence okay structurally yeah i'd go with that but i i think christmas invasion has like more stuff in it that i like also harriet jones is an absolute win yeah yeah thank you very much for listening to us on the second the second day of 2022 for our first new year's special only three months away from our anniversary yes it's almost like um we're having teasers for plans we have to start properly thinking about those Mm. That'd be something fun. But from that wish we have pre-recorded, but we're not far off recording it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll probably record it in a month. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. That'd be some way to have a birthday in real life. Well, it's my birthday in November, but we have to pre-record it for September because you know how busy things get. But yeah, no. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you had a good Christmas and a good New Year. Um, so hope you join us again for next week. We'll be back on the... On the 10th, look, we're going back to Troughton's second season with Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah, new classic season for a new year. Uh, Already watched a few of them, let me tell you, it's very good. 
Yes, definitely worth listening to. They're very good. If you want to keep up to date on any of those things, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, you can tweet us Black Archive Pod at Black Archive Pod, or you can t- that's the one. You can email us Black Pod at gmail.com. and also feel free to leave a review down below to tell us how amazing we are, or give us you know some stars if if your podcasting app allows that. Give us give stars. Us. Come on. You know you want to give us give us some stuff. Alternatively, if you've had a pretty poor New Year and you just want to take it out on some guys, I, I don't mind. Don't do that because it will affect your algorithm. <laughs> don't do that. Absolutely. If, 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 if <laughs> Edit this out. <laughs> if, if you don't like us, please just go away. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't like this podcast, you want to tell us about it, why not write to us at Keep It To Yourself? <laughs> oh no, feel free to email us how much you hate us. Just don't leave it for reviews and leave a star rating. <laughs> The SEO, the SEO, it's how it's what governs the world now. <laughs> uh, we we've been into the black archive. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.